everyone, to another episode of Out of Character. I am Jupiter, and with me is Cotton. Hey, y'all. How's it going? They all say fine. Yeah, um, I know they can't respond. <laughs> <laughs> they all That's say how fine. I feel about player agency. Ah! <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> I just told them how. I just told you how they responded. <laughs> there you go. I removed everyone's agency. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> recording over uh so yeah we want to talk about player agency and gm's writing campaigns and how much should a gm write and how do you make sure you give player agency how do you make sure you give character agency which is a new one on me so yeah i want to kind of talk about it because uh as i was telling cotton before we started recording i was on reddit i love to to doom scroll and I saw this person who posed the question. Um, so I wrote out my campaign. Do I roll up the characters and just find players to play them? Or do I let them roll up the characters? And I was like, oh my gosh, this person does not. Like, oh, I don't even know what's going to happen in this game. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> before the show, if you wonder why I'm laughing... Uh, dear audience, is <laughs> Jupiter tell will say a funny thing and then immediately hit record. <laughs> so I sound unprofessional. I'm not unprofessional. No, it's you being sound to happy. Me. I was, that's happy. also true. So before the show, yeah, one of my favorite. I was referencing one of my favorite like Twitter posts, which is about one item length long. Uh, which is this guy said, hey, I want to have a D&D game, but I want to GM it and play the characters. And then he responds to himself and says, I have been informed. This is called writing a book. <laughs> that's what that is. You are writing a book, sir. And that's fine. But you don't need six other people. To help you don't you. need any friends. You can do that by yourself. It's <laughs> great. I mean, that that's what you do. So uh, I uh, and I've also seen a lot of um, on Reddit as well, a lot of people complaining about their GMs not letting them do things. Or GMs specifically saying, hey, I don't want that they built this and I don't want them. Like kind of touching on last episode with the whole nerfing players and all. But like they won't let me do that. And it's like, why? Like I don't understand why GMs are being so rigid. Like I don't get it. And to me, it's always a red flag when a when a uh, potential GM says, "Yeah, I've written out the campaign." Like, what does yeah. that mean? It it doesn't have to be a red flag. <laughs> it could just be a very open ended bracket. Like, yeah. I wrote the campaign, which, if you're going by how you want to view things, could mean like four sentences. Like, because because mm-hmm. obviously the rest will be filled in by play, right? Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. I know how you feel about modules. Oh. That's why Ravenloft or the the whole uh, Curse of Strahd thing has gotten such high marks by virtually everyone of every school of thought because it is so crazy open. There is an end. You do have to fight Strahd, but mm-hmm. that is because of excuse me because of say, how he not, is. I, I we're not delving into Curse of Strahd. We're doing an episode where we know, totally tear that module apart. Agents, okay. but he he's the <laughs> one like hard set in stone thing. Everything else is very open ended, mm-hmm. but most a lot of modules are not. So how do we deal with player agency? I don't, we're, not, we're not going into modules, but player agency is the topic. So we talked about it with the whole classes and subclasses that can be a problem. That was a D&D thing. And we kept saying collaborative storytelling. Oh, it's collaborative storytelling. Well, okay, well, what, that's great. What the fuck do you do? How do, we, how do we do that? Like, we know that's what we want. How to achieve goal, right? Yeah, yeah. All okay. right, so how do we achieve – how do you make sure – 
that your players always have player agency. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I am working on that because I have oh. my, my, I am wor- it's on my list of things to improve oh. on because I have come from that school of like, here is this thing and I have new players. So when you have new players and they're not new now, and I'm not a new GM now, but this game is from that time when I was right. I mean, mm-hmm. this game has been going on for like at least a year, maybe like a year and a half at this point. Mm-hmm. So the, the best way to do things, I think, I don't think it's the worst sin in the world to be a new GM and have like a fairly on the rails thing because your players are probably going to be cool with that. They don't want to, like, they're, they're still filling themselves out. They're mm-hmm. going to be so cautious as to be too cautious, frankly, for a lot of player agency. They will be afraid, many new players, to impose on the world. So a little railroading is the end of the world if everyone's brand new. I, th- I think it's fine if you run like uh, Stormwreck Isle or uh, Mines of Fandalar or whatever as a new GM and new table. I, I How do you feel about that? So you feel if you're a GM and you have new players, it is okay to railroad to an extent because they're new. Uh, I do, but especially if the, if everyone's new. Like GM is new. Like they don't know shit. They have bought the starter kit oh. and they're looking at this D20 like what sorcery is this? You know, like they, so, I think it's fine to like hone it in and like get a feel for some of the vibe before you go out into like grand narrative mode. So I think, uh, all right, I I will give you that. Uh, My concern is that the GM may not then know when to get rid of the railroad or to, you know, dump the training wheels and let it be very, you know, open and let the players collaboratively, you know, be a part of the story. Uh, I mean, when you're running a module that's out the window, nobody gets to collaborate on the story. It's, you know, mostly it's it's already written out. But in homebrew games, if I, I worry about a GM, if it's their first time doing it and they run a, a campaign, even if it, let's just say it goes for six months, they meet each other every week. I feel then that maybe the GM will kind of self-teach them, self become self-taught in railroading. So I worry I can, about that. I, I kind of my, my first thing was homebrew, and I yeah. wanted to try a module, and I'm in that module. It's a long ass module, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I have seen deleterious effects from some of the things I've done. I have professionaled up. I have kind of like added some shit. I've added maps and have a TV and have all this interactive shit and have all these tools and have all these. So all all the glitz and glamour is there. But yeah, a little of the heart and soul took a hit because I'm in a module mm-hmm. and we have got to get from A to B to C to D. Now, there's a certain – now, I, I did invent some of my own things in there, but they all have to be closed um, systems. It has to start I, – I can make a branch off, okay, but it has to end mm-hmm. more or less without consequence, right, because it has to get back to the story. So you yeah. can detour, but you have to come right back to where you were more or less, which is what I did, and I had fun doing that, and – Man, it is it is hard for me. Maybe maybe it's an, it's another level to get to to be able to take a module and breathe that life into it. But yeah. it is so much easier for me to breathe my life into my own creation, where everything I made, man, it wouldn't have. It, it's probably not as good as Tomb of Annihilation is in terms of just like sheer quality. But because it was mine and I knew every inch and in, 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 in most of it, 
Uh-huh. I could breathe life into it like nobody else's business. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I was just better, I could do that with a module. But it's it's a lot harder. It doesn't always fit. You almost have like too much of a good thing. You've got all this great shit, and the problem is it can be a little overwhelming as a GM when they go to Area 37A, and there's this beautifully mm-hmm. crafted thing, and if you don't know every inch of it, or maybe it doesn't mesh with the tone of your campaign. Maybe it's very dark or too light or whatever. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. My my next game will not be a module. But yeah, I GM. Yeah, but that's that's the other th- so this is the thing I see happen with homebrews. Uh, a GM works you know very long crafting. They do all the world building. They create every aspect of this, and then they're just looking for people to play the parts. Ooh. That's not what it is. Okay, you so what do we do? Do that. You, as a GM, you can w- world build, but I, I like after character generation, like during zero session, have everybody tell me where are you from, describe that city, and give me an interesting fact about it. So they are taking part in building this world. It's not just my creation; it's our creation. So it's not just our story; it's our world. They're not our just helping world. build the story yeah. in your world. It's our story in yeah. our world. Would and you I ever had a go GM there? Do that. I had a GM do that, and I love that. Like, oh, where are you from? Okay, you know, tell me about what you know. Like, well, what's that town like? Like, is it a bunch of fishermen? Is it you know? Is it coastal? Are they miners? Are they farmers? What are they? And then just give me a fact about it. Like, it could be just like a myth about it or, you know, a long held tradition or a certain belief, or, you know, maybe they have an enemy and it's this one over here. You know, it just gives you a little more life into it. And it lets the players feel like they've also created this, which they have. But too many times I hear GMs say, I wrote out the campaign. Now I'm ready to find players. And it's like, players are not actors. (laughs) They're, People that also want to tell a story. Yeah, I, I actually uh, – it's interesting you said that because what you did do that to, for me in our game we played. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have uh, a barony. I was going to be the Baron Oliver Honeybun, and it was supposed to be a throwaway slash gold sink thing. It wasn't going to be a real big deal, maybe the occasional solo, like five-minute, like here's what I did with my money. Mm-hmm. You made it like a whole thing. Like you took it and ran with it. Uh, yeah, so then I had, like, servants who, uh, had poisonous skin, which is, you know, having servants, good, poisonous skin, problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, I, I, I enjoyed that immensely. I did feel like I was a part of the world. That was super cool. So, yeah, so, and, and it actually reminds me of the deal I did with the, uh, my, the, the kids I taught at the summer camp. One of the activities for building a world is everyone had to come up with, like, um, like a coast or a lake or a mountain or a volcano, some something, and then they would describe something about it. Does, is this a place of safety? Is this a place where there's a dangerous monster or treasure or that's been unexplored? Or is there a legend of things that happened here? And that might be a bit much for a full table. Like having six people come up with five things, that's a lot of it's a lot of shit. But maybe they could all come up with like one, or maybe some of them could be the people to come up with the landmark and the name. Like, hey, this is a lake. It's named this, right? And then the other person across from them gives the backstory, the details. So one like sets the the overarching parameter. One fills it in, and very quickly you could have as many of those as you want. One for every player is what three, four, five, six, two, 
is like six or 12. So you're having them build places that are a part of this world, or as you said, coming up with a city, or even if they're using an established city, like your campaign isn't a module, but takes place in the Forgotten Realms, they could be from Kalimport. They could be from, uh, I don't know, like the, the, was it, the, the Salt Marsh, or whatever the hell it was, the uh, Waterdeep. And they could say what it was like being in that city and be helped along by pre-made lore, but come up with their own neighborhood and interactions and family and history that you are actively seeking as a GM, I, th- I think that's what you're saying, to inject it in the world. Yes, because those are a lot of different hooks that maybe you can bring in and weave into the story as it goes. I mean, that that's what they're just little things that add, like much like the character's backstory. They should give the GM hooks to be able to tap into. And then also, you know, I always I try to ask in zero sessions, what's your goal? Your character's goal. What do they want? You mentioned, oh, I, you know, want him to become respectable and elevated. All right. And then when you were given the opportunity, you said, oh, I want to be a bear and I want a barony. Okay. And, you know, we were able to use that because it, it was fun. It was that it was that in-between episode in the arc. Like, all right, let's just take it back. Let's just do something fun, lighthearted, and then get back into it. You know, it was just like a break. It was, it was, uh, yeah. I, I will say as a player, I felt surprised that you took this thing. Like, again, it was a throwaway deal. So I was surprised, impressed, and excited. Hmm? That's how I felt. I was like, oh, shit. I don't do it with my hands. And that's what every player should always feel. Like, oh my god, my character actually affects this world. And that's really what the agency is. It's not just letting them do what they want. It's showing them that the decisions they make in character actually affect the world. Because if if I take an action and it means nothing, that's a letdown, right? And I, I've been I've been guilty of this. I've had a player get like pissed at me and leave at the end of the game in a huff. Because, you know, it was Shadowrun, and, and he goes, oh, I'm going to go on the streets, and I'm going to start asking people. Well, they rolled the dice, and the dice were low, and it, it, I said, sorry, you're not getting anywhere. And he was like, well, don't let me waste my time playing the game on an endeavor that won't ever happen or yield success. What? <laughs> and I'm like, but the dice rolls. Like, what do you want me to do? I can't, like, fudge it. Yeah, you know, that person should go open. play Candyland. <laughs> so I mean, I but I understood. I understood where the frustration came from. This was my time to shine, and I didn't get to. <sighs> you're you're and right. I understand the feeling. I get that. Uh, but it was my lack of being a, a very good improv GM to go. Wow, that role sucked, but I don't want him to feel like this time has been wasted. So I should have found another way. Okay, uh, sort of sort of that blade in the dark failure with a, yeah, with a boot. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think that players occasionally, even in Shadowrun, you are going to fail at the thing you're good at. It, yeah. it doesn't happen as much, which I love about Shadowrun. But if it could never happen, if you're never gonna fail, like never gonna fail a thing, you're gonna, it's that's not a game. That's just Candyland or Shoots and Landers at that point. Like you're just. Like why roll dice? Like you don't. If you roll dice and are are and are prepared to cry about dice, you should not be rolling dice. You should just go. Yeah. I don't know. Read a book. Yeah. Chill out. You know. Uh, but yeah. anyway, I, I do want to get into some nuts and bolts. See what you think. 
Okay. Awesome Let's stuff. So, um, you know, in in D and D and in Shadowrun, uh, so D and D has backgrounds, and they have like background features, like oh, you're a sailor, so you can go from port to port. You know, like context in the port. That's almost never fleshed out. I'm guilty of it. Uh, it's this cool, like every background has an actual like invocable power, which feels very much like the context you get in Shadowrun. Shadowrun, I love that you actually build out context. Mm-hmm. You have it is an inherent part of your character creation that you create an NPC. I think that should be in every damned game. Yeah. Every game, you sh- as part of character creation, or at least as a part of the GM player process, have them create NP- an, an NPC or multiple NPCs. Mm-hmm. And if it's something like that background deal, you can bring up people who are either related to that NPC in some way or related to that group in some way. So you go to a new town. Okay, like you're a sailor. You're going to know at least this person. By, you're going to know this person at least by reputation. You might know them personally. You can give that player some intel. And so they should be constantly in contact with NPCs of their background. If they're a cleric, they should have their church. I did that in my first homebrew. I am proud of that. There was a local like church that was like the big, cool, kick-ass church of Paylor. And then there was like this other church that was like all the churches in a little like amalgamation. It was like one building. And it was like, if you worship this God, you have that little altar. If you worship this God, like it was a, it was a way to set it up efficiently and in a kind of a what I thought was a funny way, right? So you would have the little like broke-ass corner. And that was one of the gods of this cleric. It was it was not Paylor. It was some other other god that was like lower of the totem pole for that region. And so they have a cleric, and they have a so that's the cleric. I had them have a little priest or a functionary that ran that little alcove. And it was like now you have some money and you donate it to the church. Well now they build their own little church. It's ramshackle, but it's a part of your story. And so now you have this contact. So now you have this person you can interact with. That is an arm by which I can use exposition. This person can feed them intelligence, can tell them about goings on in the town. Many towns are very uh, dead. They don't change when the players are not there, very static. Well, when the players come back to town, any NPCs that are a part of their little circle can tell them about changes in a direct and easy way. Yeah, they can just notice it, but not everything is visual. Like, yeah, the building got constructed. There's more troops on the streets. But it's just nice as a GM to have like a free exposition arm, just this conduit you can just talk to the players through. And it makes it because it's going straight to one player. You can let them have that interaction and even let them be the face when they otherwise would not be right. Like your your barbarian is never going to be the face usually. But if it's their contact, they're going to if you want to make it mechanical, have advantage on the rolls, right? Or just be the only one that contact will listen to. So I think that's a cool way. Use those background features. Use those contacts. Make the NPCs you know, that, that pull them in or have them make the NPCs that will be pulling them in and then expand them out into networks there, you know, beyond. Yeah. No, and, and I like the idea of the player helping players helping to make some NPCs. Because then when they the, that NPC shows up, it's less likely your table will kill them. Yes, you're totally correct. And you know what that's called? <laughs> metagaming. And metagaming yep. is good. <laughs> but metagaming also, is not good, but is... <laughs> I don't want them. To, I, I 
have encountered so many where it's like, oh, NPC, I don't want to leave a loose threat. Kill him. I'm like, whoa. It's a loose lips sink ship there, Holy buddy. Holy cow. Can't do also I'm gonna steal your uh, Mall of Religions idea at one point. The, <laughs> that's that makes it worse. That's that makes the it awesome. The, the Mall, Mall of, Religion. of Religions. Now see, uh over there are the Jainite, you know, and uh <laughs> Also, also, in addition to not getting your NPC instantly murdered, uh-huh. uh, so see, I am a bit railroady. I admit I have my sins, uh-huh. but uh-huh. also I am lazy. And so what we want to do is not be a fucking GM. We want to play the motherfucking game. And how do we get people to be GMs? You have them make NPCs. You have them make a part of the – what we're doing is we're like we're, – we're, we're bringing them in just a little at a time. Just a little bit. I'll just make a few, make a few places on the map. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just make a little bit of lore. Mm-hmm. I just make a little NPC. And uh, I found this idea on the internet I loved, and that is sometimes if you have an NPC, have that NPC be played by somebody in the party. Like just have them, if it's the barbarian and they're not, and they hadn't been the face in a while, let them be the shopkeep. Now, for anything major, they can't just be like, yep, here's the Holy Avenger plus five sword for two gold. Like, okay, they have to confer with your GM. Uh, for for major shit and get directions and notes, but I think that's an interesting thing. It's a little scary. How do you feel about that? I have actually had other players play the contact, and it's been fantastic because all of a sudden they call their contact, and then that other player comes on with an Irish accent, and it's like. Wait, he's Irish? Okay. And the the player that was calling the contacts like, oh, okay. And you like they just roll with it and it's fun and it gets the creative juices flowing and it gets everybody engaged. And I enjoy the idea of having somebody else at the table play the NPC. The issue arises then when a player might go, Well, I don't know what this NPC sh- should say or shouldn't say. I don't but I look at it this way. If I'm the GM and I relinquish that control over to the player to play an NPC, do what you will. I got to be ready to roll with whatever you say. I've seen notes in uh, an adventure set out by D&D where for an NPC, they will say this NPC knows these things. Yeah. And uh-huh. this NPC's goals are this. So it's a quick list. Do you think that can be helped? I'm, I'm just asking, it's it's a real question because this is a new thing for me and you seem to have picked up on it. Yeah. What if I had like an index card where it was like, this is Bob Boberson. Mm-hmm. Bob knows that the uh, the lookout gang is uh, in the sewers and mm-hmm. he knows that they tend to operate most on the weekends. And uh, many of them are part of a larger thief guild network ran by, you know, Baral. Like, okay. This is a thing this guy knows and obviously does not want to give them up for nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a shady, greedy man. You could put some adjectives over who they are. And, you know, most of these characters are not going to be exceptionally hard to understand. Like, okay, this guy likes money. He's involved in shady shit. Okay, I got it. I don't think – what do you think about that? A, a quick card, like here, here's this guy's quick rundown. It would be nice, like a, as a training wheel, to, to give them an idea of what they can and can't say. Uh, But what I think is, to me, this is the heart of the collaboration bit. One one player created the NPC. The GM relinquished the NPC over to a different player to play that NPC, which means both the GM and the player who created the NPC are relinquishing some creative power 
to the NPC or to the player that's playing the NPC. Okay. It's not I, I get a, that. you know, because if, if you're a player, well, that's not how I thought he would be, or that's not what I wanted. Or if you're a GM who's like, oh, I made that NPC and that's, you're not doing it. You have to be willing to relinquish that control and give it to them to run with it and do something because that's when the magic happens. Okay. I, I would be that trustworthy with other people. And, and, and I think we all, we all know each other. We would mm-hmm. be okay with the vast majority of our NPC, as long as it's mm-hmm. like good and not stupid. And we're trusting ourselves to, to do that. I can see why in a game where that wasn't, where, where the trust avenues weren't that wide, where you might yes. not want your characters, like younger brother to be played way out of line with kind of like what had helped form the PC in the first place, mm-hmm. you know? It is okay. something that the table has to build that trust. But you can't build that trust until you offer the opportunity to actually build it. I, I get it. I mean, if, if again, for it's worth. Reins, you know, if you keep a tight rein on everything, it stifles the game. I think you have to really let go and let other people create. Yeah, just just let them play the NPCs that are not, that, 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 that are GM created. Let them play the shopkeep. You know, not mm-hmm. like... Theo's brother. Like that's, but yeah, you, yeah. you can work your way to that point. That, yeah. that was one of the things I had. I, I, as you, know, I've been making notes. I've been trying to be good, uh-huh. so I've got my notes. I wanted to know if you had something that you had, uh, you had teed off. I am, I am. Uh, a comment you made when you spoke earlier just now, where you said you don't want to GM the game. You want to play the game. Mm-hmm. You yes, want to be a player. You, do. didn't, well, you don't want to GM the game. You want to be a player. I enjoy GMing, but I, I really want to play in-person okay. D&D. I'm jealous of my players a little that bit. That is, to me, that that's a, that, because when I want to GM it, I want to GM the game. I don't want to play it. And when I want to play in a game, yeah, I want to play. Like, I've never sat in the GM and been jealous of the players. I've always just been there for them. So I'm surprised at that, that you would say that and i i don't know I, it just struck me as you're jealous of the players that's interesting i'm always on so every time we hang out i am on i am the center <laughs> i am stressed <laughs> i I, ha- I i go home and i fall apart like i'm just not i don't do shit i go home and i'm just in like i'm just done i i am mm-hmm. so drained and so but i have a great time doing it but I also want to be able to hang out with my friends and not be so fucking on. I want to sit down, kick back half a character sheet, and be halfway fucking there, and not ha- or even three quarters of the way, and be fine. I don't want to have to have everything kind of like 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 all eyes on me. It, it it's tough. So it's it's like yeah, I, I, some people may enjoy playing music, but they also kind of want to listen to it once in a while too, you know, or just clap along with the, with the beat. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm at. I would like to. Yeah. Also, I want to see them fly. I've seen, I've been playing yeah. with these people a while, and I've got two of them who are kind of talking about the rumblings of being a GM. I want to experience that. I want to see their GM style. I'm hungry for that. So it's like, yeah, I like being an actor, but I also want to see a movie. <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. Um, but no, I I it's always. It, to me, it's always a delicate balance. Like, like, I learned from BAMPS. The GM I am today is because BAMPS. And then the other guys he introduced me to that also taught me how to GM properly and from different perspectives in different ways. 
Um, so I like the idea of being the lazy GM and relying on your players to create stuff and to, you know, like, well, you make the NPCs, you, you tell me what that town is there. And you tell me that, cause then I don't have to do all the work, but then they also feel like it's, that's the true collaborativeness, but I've never written a campaign. Even in Deadlands right now, I have written bullet points. Like, and I have a timeline of the actions that are happening off camera. And I have just a timeline of like, hey, these are the different scenes. I don't know how we're going to get there, but we'll get there. I don't fill it in. I don't have it all written out. Like, I, I keep it as open as possible because I never know what's going to happen. And sometimes during play, something comes up that I grab onto and just like lean into because it's where, where they want it to go. So maybe I have to adjust a little bit because that's where they want to go. It is not just my game. I can't just say, well, you know, I don't want it to like, as much as I say, I don't want blazing saddles. I got blazing saddles and I have to lean into it. And I have to go with it because that's what the table wants. And it's not like I don't like it. I enjoy Blazing Saddles just like everybody else. But, you know, it may not be what I thought we would do. I thought it would be a little more serious, but it's not. And that's okay. The table doesn't want that. Great. I have to shift. I'm outnumbered by the players. I have to shift and not be so, you know, rigid and say, no. I want this and you will all do this. Like that's not why the GM is there. Right. So just roll. It sounds like roll with it, which I, I agree. always roll with it. You got to roll with it. If you're going to, if, if we talk about collaborative storytelling again, really cool. There, there's a certain element of that. That's not what we mean. We're not saying let them win every row, but like, yeah, if they want to go, I really try, really, really try to say yes before you say no. It's hard. <laughs> My players have done it to me, especially in my homebrew, and I just had to fucking roll with it. I was like, well, this is what's happening. This this I mean, whole section of my notes go into the old dustbin there. Yeah, the old- no, keep it. It might come up later, but yeah, it's not at this point. It might be at a different point. But if I had said no, I would never have had Bamps's grung froggy character free his enslaved grung friends that were going to be sold into slavery, free them from the boat and get them to a new land where his player, his character decided he needed to stay with them and to build up their community. And he retired that character. He didn't want to. He was very sad when he did it, but it's how the play went. If I said, no, you can't be, you know, you can't lead a rebellion and save them. I would have missed out on that great story. It was. And, and by the way, y'all, it was tough. <laughs> Just let you know it's tough. I, I, I mean, a shitty joke because I mean, a shitty bathosy mood ruining joke because I was too. The, the feels were too much. The feels, the feels were so much. And they came out of nowhere. I was like, oh yeah. shit, it's happening. That's ah. it. We created <laughs> that. We all created that. I didn't say, well, no, that has nothing to do with my campaign. But it's where the table went, and I had to be willing to go, and it was wonderful you know and and that's what you're trying to do when you collaboratively play the game 
If you're a GM just looking for actors to play their parts, you are not playing the game. You are just live reading your book. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so <laughs> be, roll with it. Um, yeah, that's a, a big thing. Uh, uh, the next thing I had on my list, which is not nearly as good as that, is uh, give your players a place, like a deed or a castle. You, you see this in Critical Role. I've seen a couple of adventures, but you give them like a piece of real estate. And that, maybe that's just my thing. That's my jam. I want mm-hmm. to have a, a castle and a mansion. I read about Mordenkainen's magnificent mansion. It was like, wait, you get to have it this big? I will plan out every square foot and it will be decorated <laughs> to my desires. And it's going to be like this, this, this. I am really into that Sim City shit. So, like, I want to build, like, you know, Sim, whatever. I want, I want Sim Castle. And so you can let them have a deed, which is a part of the world, and you can create the street that it's on and have vendors. And it, it can be a live area that they always are sort of like in as their place of operations and have interactions in that local area. They get to use that facility. It gets to be a gold dump and a creative area. They get to make the curtains and the furniture and where the doors are and, and whatever else. Like it, it could just be a shell of a building where you draw out like the outline maybe a few walls in rooms don't label them the rooms are what they're going to be you know and they just get to work maybe not even walls maybe they just start fucking wrecking shop and you can let them interview uh like major domos or butlers or whatever and have them hire the staff or the people who will work there maybe there's already somebody who's attached to that property uh and, and they're just disagreeable as shit or not i don't know um but that's i, I think that's a cool way is to give them a piece of real estate that they own in that world. It is. And you will sometimes as a GM run into that. Pl- there are many different types of players. You'll run into that player that, well, I want to build an evil empire. Well, why would you go adventuring then? You know, well, because it takes a lot of gold to build an empire and it's going to take some clout and some reputation to do so. So, all right, you're going to go adventuring and you're going to be able to start building this up. But slowly, but yeah, well, you know, all right, they, they'll eventually have enough. They'll say, oh, I want a hideout. All right, great. You have a hideout, you know, just like we did with the barony. If a player wants to, they like, if you get a player like Griff is this type of player, he wants to amass wealth and build an empire. He wants spreadsheets tracking everything. That's oh, me too. what he wants. <laughs> Give it to them. Give it to them and let the, it doesn't have to happen during the session, but as long as they get to work and say, Hey, we just finished this. I have this much gold. I'm going to do this for my hideout. Awesome. Cool. Just let me see the spreadsheet. Make sure you're not going crazy. You know, it's, you have to really make sure you scale like they scale with the game and not just, you know, well, I have an army. So now I don't really need to go adventuring. Well, that's kind of weird. Cause then you got to retire. Was I, I know, know where he's coming from, and mm-hmm. it's not about the need. It's, it's kind of wanting to be the Indiana Jones type of leader, where like I am the leader, and you're all the 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 the, the lower echelons. But I still go out and do the thing. And when mm-hmm. I'm not here, there's somebody in. Like, I want to show back up, and there just be like loot here or or boons here, or at least some role play shit. Kind of like in uh, Grand Theft Auto games when you take over a business. You just show up every so often and there's money there, but you don't have to like order copy paper. You don't have to like make supplies and make sure there's enough staples 
and shit. You're just it's just your little thing that's just a yeah. boon generator. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is a symbol of power. It's not that I'm now going to run the car dealership. I'm still Tommy Rossetti out getting cocaine and guns. But I, you know, I, I don't want to run a car dealership day to day. I want it to be a mm-hmm. symbol of my power. Look yeah. at this thing I own. I own yeah. something here, here, and here. When I show up, they have to stand at attention. I don't even know who the fuck they are. That's what you like. You know, we, we're playing this like uh, play by post, and I like Oz got this game going, mm-hmm. and uh, and like we fought these pirates, and I we like beat the shit out of them. And I'm like, we're the new bosses now, and I was like, wait, you want to like take over? The, the Iron Eels, and Grave was like, I would also like to run a pirate campaign. <laughs> like, like, I was probably like, wait, you want to, like, take over the pirate group? And, like, we were like, yes, we would like to be pirates now. Like, we are, look at me. <laughs> I'm a pirate now. <laughs> so, yeah, we wanted you know. to, we, and now we have a piece of real estate that we technically kind go. of own, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, it may not be where Odd thought the game would go, but it's what the table wanted, and it's going to lead to something great. <laughs> Turns out Crime Syndicate's a big deal on this Shadowrun-inspired Discord channel. Right? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, that is all Grateful wants. He just wants to build an evil empire. He wants to become a lich. That's always his goal. He just wants one always. thing. Always. He I mean, just wants to become a lich. <laughs> Can he not just become... Just one GM has to let him achieve his goal of becoming a lich. And then it'll be done. Yeah, I, w- I want to be the <laughs> liches. I want to be like the liches type fighter. That's what I want to be. There I want to be go. that guy who's like, he's like, hey, handle it. And uh, you, know what, you know what that means? murder mm-hmm. that's what that means so well sorry bill you gotta get murdered but you don't even know what's happening yeah but you gotta get murdered though uh <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean you really have to lean into what the player wants some players just enjoy just watching the others rp and they just minimally participate okay that's that's cool that's what they like to do that's fine and then you have some that you know just want to have do all the bookkeeping Cool. Do all the bookkeeping. Okay. And they. And then and they, you have some that want to be the main character, and those are the ones you've got to tamper down. You got tamper. And how do you how do we, how do we tamper them? We're talking about going. We're talking about line steppers. So we're talking about players that like maybe it's a player that's just very confident, knows what they're doing, and loves the RP and is always on and always ends up in the spotlight. Well, if you're a GM, you're gonna have to. Give them their time in that spotlight, but make sure you take it off them and put it on somebody else. And sometimes that means you have to just literally ask a player or put them in a situation to try to get them to do take their moment. But if the other players don't ever bite to do that, and I've had a player not bite, and it's like, all right, then I have the same two people in the spotlight all the time because these are the two players that want it. It's it's hard, but if you have one person steamrolling a table, you have got to tamper it down, and that could mean an out of character discussion. Of you know, hey, you got to let the others. You've got to build up the others. You take that energy and use it to build up the other player characters. You are not the main character. It is not about you. It is about everyone. So I need you to use that energy. And that great talent you have for RP. And I need you to get the others engaged with you and build that up. That's 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 how this works. Yeah. I, I've had that. I have uh, two people at my table. They're a couple. And they're mm-hmm. both quiet. One's a little quieter than the other. And I have tried. I really think they enjoy our hijinks. I think that, like, yeah. I have these other players who are on a scale of, like, how much spotlight they take up. They take up more spotlight 
than like number of players divided into game, right? But and the other ones take up less as a result. There's only so much mm-hmm. spotlight to have, and these players mm-hmm. take up more, and those players take up less. But I think my table likes it. I mean, I have tried. Mm-hmm. I have mentioned a few things. I've gotten some increase, a little bit more equitableness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, I just think that they're never going to be at full parity, and they don't. I don't yeah. think want to be. I think they will. You know, I, I think there was yeah. a little bit more, but not full parity, and that's okay. Yeah, it's fine if that's what they need. Now, like even myself, I will. I will go from being like engaged. I'll oscillate. Go from being engaged in the game to spectating the game, then go back to engaged in the game, and then back to spectate. And that's really because I am enjoying what the others are doing so much that I will just blend into the wall so I can just sit and enjoy it. Yep. And that doesn't I... always help a GM. Like, what are you doing? And so I, I try to remind. Oh, you have to actually interact because I just get so so much enjoyment of watching like even in the vampire game when it was jimmy and uh like when it was tom and oz and cookie when they were on a roll man i just sat back and just enjoyed the podcast and then i'd have to remind myself oh you're in this too oh okay let me do something and that's what ends up happening i get so like which is why i think i enjoy gming because i can sit back and let them go and i can enjoy it i enjoy just watching so Maybe that's why I like GMing more because I enjoy just watching. Fair enough. I think that's a lot harder in an online game because you can't mm-hmm. see those facial expressions. I can see this player yeah. and I can see when they're bored and I can see when they're locked in but just quiet. Yeah. Online, when you disappear, you just don't fucking exist because you you're quiet. Are you pissed? Yeah. Are you bored? Are you intently locked in? And then oh. someone asks you, and you can be polite and maybe it's it's a lot. That's one of the reasons I like those in person games. Facial expressions, animation, are you checking your phone? All that shit is is right there. And, yeah. you know, it, it's a big, it, it, it's very helpful uh, mm-hmm. to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the biggest thing, though, is, is just roll with it. And we're trying to give some concrete ways to say it. But that, that yeah. really is it. Before you say no, you, you can't always say yes. But, man, think about it. Think about yeah. that no and maybe think, can I work with this? I've had players specifically throw me curveballs. They weren't trying to fuck me. But they were trying to rock right on the cage a little bit. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? The little curveball. the boundary. They want to see the boundary. Where can I yeah. go? How much it's, can it, I get away with? Yeah. It's not contrived. Mm-hmm. It, it's a real bit of role play. It's a real bit of pushing out there. But they're also aware they're, they're testing my chops. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I can come back and take that, and instead of shutting it down or pawing it off, if I can mm-hmm. em- take that, and then slam it into the world and roll with it like it was totally cool, you will impress the shit out of them. So what you did to me with the, the little barony thing, I have done it to my own players when they were asking questions about like uh, like the background of my priest guy and just roll with like they tried to like throw the, throw them off base, and just just roll with it. And uh, I can't remember the exact example, but it was a thing where I took something that was weird and I go, I, I affirmed its truthfulness. I did not deny or demur, or say, oh, well, no. It was like, oh, yeah. And just took it and rolled with it. And now it's true. And if I can make it work, if I can find some damned way to shoehorn it in, I will. And that is a slick little move. They'll make your players appreciate you and be impressed. And like, wow, this guy's like a wizard. Uh, shit. You know. Well, what is that improv rule? It's never no. It's always yes and. Yep. Yeah, yes now, and. it's we'll yes get you far. and. 
will get you far. Now, there are some things that your players will try to get away with that are just like, that's not even in the realm of possibility. Like, no. For me, it's mechanical. Yeah. If it's a storyline thing, it would have to be utterly absurd. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, pretty much. But otherwise, I'm down to get weird. Let's fucking go. Yeah, let's, uh... let's do it. Let's, let's figure something out. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I know whenever I have Oz in a game, he will always want to eat the rich. He will always want to start a rebellion. Always. That's what he wants to do. And so I know in the game, I have to do that. I have to give him that. You like to be the center and you like to have all eyes on you when you're doing the Baron. So I have to be sure to give you that. You know, and I, I you have to, as a GM, you have to really make sure you're giving them and tapping into what they made as characters and bringing that to the forefront once in a while to let them play off of it. And, and, and yes, get them included in the world building, have them tell you things and make it a story together. It is not just you as a GM and it is not any one player as the character, which I've read on Reddit horror stories and that where, Oh, the GM's girlfriend's in the game and it's always about her. And like, uh, uh-uh, no, this is yeah. not a thing for you to do to get laid. Definitely not. I mean, <laughs> there was a time I would violate all of the laws of Manning. Oh, Nigger, really? And I would have railroaded. Uh, I would have wow. done. I, I mean, yeah, like, this is. <laughs> one thing we want to tell everyone is don't violate your principles and search for ass. Well, I got some bad news. <laughs> if you had to be told that, you didn't give a fuck about it in the first place. So, wow, really? <laughs> I'm, I'm good now. I have yeah. never, ever, <laughs> ever ever purposely shown favoritism now if somebody does a good piece of rp i will try to reward that like in shadow run i would give them extra karma like that was awesome take five karma you know like that was great i love that you know or uh you know and again if when i run shadow run if you show up the table as a human you get one karma just for showing up because you're human you're best man <laughs> I wanted people to understand this is how I run Shadowrun. It is horrible, and you will be judged for what you chose to be. Wow. A human is that's oh. the one game where being a human is like the shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're like, that's racist. Like, yes, welcome to Dystopian welcome Future. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I played an elf, and I took all the abuse that comes with playing an elf. But you roll with it, that's just part of it. Yeah, you know, I, I feel be like I would not get things. away with that. As uh, uh, <laughs> well, welcome to the sixth wheel where racism's cool. Anyway, who <laughs> one free karma for me, for anybody who's from the Confederated American States? Said uh, fucking this guy who got canceled immediately. Uh, uh, but speaking of games, we have it's you, me, and Leal now that want to play bad builds GM bad build D and D. We oh have God. three of us now that want to play. We still haven't gotten anybody to volunteer as a GM. Yeah, because they're not high. Come <laughs> on. Somebody's – we just talked about it. All it is is roll with it. Yeah. And we just yeah. need at least one more player to play a bad build. I'll, so I'll play a bad build. It, yeah, I already counted GM? you. Yeah, well, who's the GM? I just yeah. said we don't have a We don't have one. Exactly. Are you on drugs? No, I'm just I'm just confused. You're like, we don't need one more player. And I'm like, wait, we I thought you said we don't have a GM. We need one more player and a GM. You need okay. one more player and a GM. So if anybody is 
that's willing to play that are willing to be the GM for our bad builds D and D one shot. Unless you really want to torture yourself and go more than one. Let us know because I really want to play a bad build game. I want to see how ridiculous we can get. This is like saying we need one more person uh, to join our group for dinner tonight and then one other person to pay for it. And that's all we need. Like, like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Nothing wrong okay. with that. All right, fuck it. We, we're good. Okay. If you wish to volunteer for hilarity and horseshit, please, please let us do the bad. Not, not that Jupiter will know how to run her broken bullshit, by the I way. I won't know how to run my broken <laughs> it's bullshit. It's just going to be really bad. But Grafa will build it, and he will give me a cheat sheet, yeah. and you I know. will be able to do all the shenanigans. No, I believe, no, I think you should just get built uh, the Gravedigger monster truck and not know how to shift it in the fucking <laughs> gear. That's what I want. I want you, Look. like, I don't <laughs> You give this Toyota driver a Ferrari and she'll do okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like never give a never give a player a Ferrari. They will not know how to run that character. <laughs> like yeah. no, no, they won't. Oh, uh, I have one last point on the okay. just roll with it, just roll with it theme. That is uh, NPCs who are baddies. Like I guess I'm saying NPC. My brain has been like the people who are not violent towards you necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have found that NP that uh, players will often try to interact with the captain or the lieutenant of the bad because they you, you might breathe some life into them and make them seemingly worth talking to. And the big bad, you know, that guy's too far gone. You know, they're gonna they're assholes, they're crazy, whatever the fuck. But their second in command might be more amenable to betrayal or taking their position in lieu of a deal. And so you can kind of make a deal with this person to help you out. And they'll either either to just leave or to betray the uh, the big bad, and you can kind of if you take that and make it available, and then like this this NPC comes up and is fighting with you against the big bad and make their power level appropriate to be fun and a boon without taking over, et cetera, et cetera. But that's cool. It's it's cool. It's cool that you enter the fight and it's like holy shit, we hacked the game. We like broke this thing and we didn't not only did we skip the fight we are like hacking the final fight we brought in this guy's bet and now he's taking over the position so instead of the 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 assassin guild being totally deleted from the earth now that the big bad is dead there's still an assassin guild with a leader you have an uneasy truce with like you guys are like cool you're not friends but you're 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 cool he ain't looking to kill you Mm -hmm. uh the big bad yeah, there's there's a line there. The, the big yeah. bad who was trying to kill everyone, that's too much. We're just going to go back to good old-fashioned assassinating. <laughs> so now you have a cool contact. You have an uneasy relationship. You can explore that further. They felt like they hacked the game. So make make your lieutenants, make your, your second-in-commands be open-minded and maybe throw a little bit of a, 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 a red handkerchief out there that they're open or willing or interested or in, in being bribed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much. Oh, you yeah. don't have to like throw it out there. Make them talky a little bit. And mm-hmm. then like someone will say, well, why do you think you should fight that guy? Well, I've been loyal to him the entire time. I'm not going to stop now. And then like it just – you almost have to say it. Well, maybe this time is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not that far. It doesn't – like players will stumble their way into like maybe you shouldn't do that. Um, you know? <laughs> oh, I love trying to bait a player into doing something. Like you sure you don't want to go ahead and do that? And they always like, wait a minute. Maybe I, sh- 
no, you really want it too much. I'm not doing it. I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you, got mad at me for, you got mad at me yeah. for rolling dice. I, yeah, fuck these players' brains. I want them. <laughs> I don't want them sleeping well. I'm not sleeping well. Fuck them. Like, <laughs> I am not sleeping well. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired. You don't get to relax. But, yeah. No. No. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, if you were to say that, you know, who is the person that should really promote the whole collaborative storytelling and make sure player agency is always there? To me, the GM has the most power. Who else is there? Well, the players are there, but I'm saying, like, I think the GM is the one that really needs to make sure that that happens. Uh, They have to watch out when a player tries to remove another player's agency. They have to to squash that so fast. Like, you just can't do it. Um, And it's their job to try to get everybody involved. They're, the you know, that quiet player. You have to still poke them and see, are you still in it? You want to do something? What's going on? You know, you still have to do that with them. Yeah. yeah. So I, mean, I, uh, I, I do think it is the GM's ultimate responsibility. All the players should as well. But I think the GM needs to do it. Now, I think each player has to be aware of the table. Like, if they're trying to do Grimdark and you're over here doing Blazing Saddles, guess what? You're not going to fit with the group. Yeah, pro, pro tip, you can put Jim Carrey in a not comedy, but don't put like Jim Carrey, Martin Lawrence uh, in this in and uh, who who would somebody else be? Um, Will Ferrell. Don't put all three of them in the same movie and expect it to not be a comedy. Like you can't. Yeah. Can't stack the deck that much there, Jupe. I can't put you, Oz and Bamps in a group without expecting a billion puns. Yeah. That's, that's back I off. know that will happen. I just know. I can ask. I know it's not going to happen. Now, it doesn't mean we don't get serious moments. The whole Bamps' frogman leaving, that was a serious moment. You know, we had get serious moments, but the majority, it's very light and fun. And a comedy of errors, usually. Uh, but it is up to the GM to kind of figure out what the tone is. And it's up to the players to recognize what's the tone of the game. And try to fit in. Now, it doesn't mean like if you're the funny one, you can't be the class clown once in a while. You can. But know when that's appropriate when it's not. Uh, and just, you know, worry about playing your own character, not anybody else's. And definitely, like, let the give the GM, you know, some hooks. And if the GM says, hey, you've been to this town, tell me about it. Answer the question. The GM's giving you that power to create. Create. Don't say, well, is that okay? Just create and just tell them this is what it is. Yeah, you, know? you fucking lazy PC bums. Get to work. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want your GM doing it. This is collaborative storytelling. <laughs> yeah, and as a GM, you want them to be getting that practice. Uh, a, mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of people are just afraid of being a GM. It's not they don't want to. They're afraid of it. This is, a, I think, a great way to, to help ease them into it is let them yes. be making PCs, let them be making places, let them help having a say in the events and see how improv and collaborative storytelling takes yeah. place. It's not all. It's not, not only are they getting practice, they're seeing a method that isn't entirely reliant on the GM. So on yeah. one hand, getting practice, and I'm learning it's not as much on me as I thought. I can rely on mm-hmm. some of you to help me flesh this thing out. Mm-hmm. And then we get to play the game. 
We don't have to be the GM. Then we get to play, everybody. We get to play the fucking game and not be the GM <laughs> of the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's what it is. That is how you help build new GMs. They, If they're playing the NPC, then, you know, if you played the NPC for this character's contact, why can't you GM and play NP- be the NPC in other moments? Like, you did this. You can do this. You've built the world. You built where you were from and the history of that town. You can be a GM. You have already created something in the world. So you can do this. And you should always be wanting to get the other players to take a turn as a GM. We, we need more GMs. We are outnumbered by players. We need more GMs. And, you know, uh, the only way to do it is by stretching that that creative muscle. And the only way to do that is for a GM to give you the opportunity to, you know, flex that. Indeed. So, yeah. <sighs> I have no more thoughts. Do you? I think we solved another problem. I think we solved it. Yeah, look at the old chalkboard. <laughs> We're so silly. Okay. <laughs> we do not think. Smash that like button. Problems. Subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> you know you lo- you know you Hit love that us. bell for to get notifications. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you everybody uh, for listening to another episode. Uh, we appreciate it. We enjoy having you listen, and uh, we enjoy doing this, don't we, Cotton? Absolutely, absolutely. Have a great time doing it, and uh, make sure you get your pets spayed uh, and or neutered. There you go. (laughs) All right, good night. (laughs) Good night.